This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Hello, you're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your co-host, Bayou Benders, alongside Mason Dixon, and this is Habs Nightly. What's up, Mason? How are we doing? Oh, we're doing pretty good. How are you, buddy? Um, uh, I'm doing all right, man. Had a long weekend. Uh, it was nice. I didn't really do anything uh, for the fourth, but, you know, just uh, they extended our weekend by one day. So that was I, I, that was just enough of me to celebrate. Yeah, I guess uh, I saw it was pretty crazy down there for the fourth, despite all of the uh, pandemic issues. Lots of people going out. Yeah, I'm sure we crazy. had uh, another fucking ridiculous spike. <laughs> I just, no, nah, I mean, me and my friends kind of just we hung out like one day, but it wasn't like a bunch of us. It might have been like five or six of us. Yeah. No, uh, was it different at all, though? Um, uh, I guess. I mean, like, we don't, like, I guess my friend, friend base doesn't really, like, fucking go out and like shoot a bunch of fireworks for this um i don't know it's not because like we're unpatriotic or anything it's just you pop fireworks like all year round down here so (laughs) it's just like one this one day i'm I'm just not gonna go spend like the little bit of money i have because i'm not making money on fireworks so it's like you could literally like open the front the front door and see like the firework display that's going down at the park so like we just drank and had the door open. <laughs> yeah, I'll, honestly, the only time I really see fireworks up where I live is Canada Day, and even even that this year, like I um I actually I worked Canada Day, and uh, I just totally fucking forgot it was Canada Day because you know usually there's like big events planned down where I live. We have this big waterfront festival. Right, it's one of the bigger ones in the area, so like thousands of people come down. Well, that that's been canceled for months, so yeah, it's so definitely a weird vibe. It's yeah. almost like a, just another day. Yeah, it really was another day. I got time and a half, so that was nice. But yeah, that's dude, that is sick. Uh, I knew it was Canada Day though, because like every way, every day on my way to work, I got to pass my uh, my little Canadian family, and they had the flag out. I was like, oh fuck yeah, <laughs> I know what today is like. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, then, um, <clears throat> Canada night, I went up, we were talking earlier, I went up north, went for a little bit of a fishing trip and, uh, stayed at a buddy's cottage and fucking, okay, this guy lives in like, like, you ever have those friends that they don't really talk about it, but you know, you know, like they're, they're loaded, they, they are loaded. Well, that's this guy. And, uh. I really, I really confirmed it going up to his cottage because <laughs> this lake, let me tell you, we're going past cottages with like pillars and like three stories. I'm like, that's nicer than my house. And these, all these rich people got together and they put on this firework display across the lake. And I can honestly say it was one of the most gorgeous things I have ever seen. Mm. Funded by the Canadian 1%. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, no, ours was just, like, cheap fireworks, probably, like, a couple thousand donated by the fucking parish government that they do, like, I don't know, they, it's supposed to be done twice a year. They seem to do it, like, fucking 400 times a year. <laughs> um, but, no, dude, it's tight. I'm sure, like, fireworks, like, out in the fucking boonies is, like, so much sicker than fucking just at your regular house like constantly you know like, well, yeah, it was cool because they were they're like shooting them over the lake so there's nothing oh, so. to like you know uh disrupt them you can see them perfectly it was, it was really cool we were out on the water too because we didn't know what was happening so at first it scared the shit out of us because we're out in a little fucking tin can 
and all of a sudden bombs start going off over our heads and we're like oh my god it was it was kind of terrifying but then when you realize what was going on yeah it was pretty sick yeah um i guess we can just jump off the bat uh once again this episode is sponsored by fucking atomic wedgie it's just straight up guy's humor and uh i don't really have I I have I have multiple ones I can talk about, but uh, just a quick one. Uh, considering because we're talking about fireworks, uh, what we used to like to do is sometimes when we were kids we'd go hang out at like the fucking park and get you know like we'd drink and shit, um, and we would just bring artillery shells without the tube and we just light the artillery shell in in the middle of like the group that's just chilling, and uh, things got like a thirty thirty yard radius. Uh, so you just drop it and fucking everybody just takes off running. Uh, there was a couple of times right after the storm we would we did that and it caught like fucking we catch like little patches of uh, dead grass on fire. So we had to like go fucking stomp that out a little bit. But <laughs> I guess that is one our our little prank for today. As far as that, um, if I can find the video, I'll send it. Uh, but yeah, we did it one time and uh. It was in the abandoned Winn Dixie after Katrina, and we caught like like a big, a big chunk of fucking uh, field on fire. <laughs> oh shit! Um, but yeah, folks, uh, check out Atomic Wedgie. Uh, it's guy humor. If you're like me uh, and you're a fucking prankster, it, it can give you the ideas that you've been looking for. Also, it's just got just sports in general, so it's another good site to check out if you're just bored. Not a lot to do right now during COVID. Definitely a site to check out. So that's AtomicWedgie.com. Out of superheroes, out of rugby came an action. Infamous. So daring, outrageous, stunning, shocking, culture rifting. AtomicWedgie.com. With a dash. Play the doing. No fetish shots or videos, including self or bond wedgies, are allowed to be posted. The act of bullying is prohibited. Mark in content must be 18 years or older, including those who post. AtomicWedgie.com is not liable for wedgies given. We are solely the official site for posting Atomic Wedgie humor. For more, visit guidelines at www.AtomicWedgie.com with a dash. Um, they just dropped a statement, uh, NHL, another statement about the fucking COVID. Uh, let's see. As of today... Uh, 396 players report to club training practice facilities for optional participation in phase two. So that's dope. There have been an uh, excess of 2,900 COVID tests administered. Uh, Shit. Uh, 1,400 just this past week. Uh, Those test results have a total of 23 returning confirmed positive, which isn't bad for fucking over 2,000, almost 3,000 cases. Uh, in addition, since June 8th, the opening of Phase 2, the league is aware of 12 additional players who have tested positive. Uh, outside of Phase 2, all players who have tested positive have been self-isolated or followed in the CDC and Health Canada protocols. Um, so, I mean, it, it seems like they're going to continue on. Uh, I don't see why not. Of, you know, 3,000 tests, only 23 players. So that's that's not that fucking bad, you know. I don't. I don't know. I kind of, as as I think we it was released. Montreal's had no players test positive, which is good to hear. I think St. Louis was one of the bigger teams affected, but um, I don't know personally the way I'm kind of seeing things going. Um, just with the way, and this isn't a shot, just the way things are in the U.S. right now. I don't know if um continuing, as long as thing if things continued to be the way they are in the u.s if continuing with the nhl's plan is almost it could almost be detrimental to public health i don't know i just i'm kind of seeing kind of going is it worth it at this point because i I, I get what you're saying totally um i mean truthfully i think it's fucked up because like you know i'm sure they're practicing at their at home facilities and stuff like that but they should just ship everybody to fucking canada yeah, and we I think it's been pretty much officially announced that the hub cities are going to be in Edmonton and Toronto, which yep. is good. But I think if the NHL is going to do that, they're going to have to have all the players self-isolate for 14 days. So they're going to have to police that somehow. And then they're going to have to come over to Canada and the Canadian government's going to make them self-isolate for 14 days. 
And I just think it's going to be a big mess. And if they are able to do it, you know, all the power to them. I want hockey back, like, from a personal standpoint. But from a – looking at the greater good, looking at it logically, I don't know if it's going to be feasible. I don't know if the players are going to really be up to it. Can you imagine, like – social distancing for or sorry isolate socially isolating for 28 days right. and then having to go start training for the playoffs like i'm sure that's going to take a toll on players bodies Absolutely. Just, yeah i don't know if it's going to happen and i mean um i've seen a couple of things um you know every day is it they kind of take it uh you know every day is, a, is another new thing we learn but um they got like Apparently the NHL is is scheduled to return in like you know like like twenty five twenty six days something like that. So you know if it's gonna happen, if you know every day we're gonna find out more and more shit that's either gonna be you know on a positive note for them or you know it'll just get pushed back. Yeah, and like I think the league's been pretty transparent about what their plan is. But I think part of that, too, is that, you know, we've kind of heard an incomplete plan, and I almost believe that that might be all the NHL has figured out because – Yeah, they're just trying to take it one day at a time. <laughs> yeah, like you can't you can't do anything else with COVID. Like we were even talking, me personally, with heading off to university. Like I can't make plans two weeks in advance, so it's impossible for me to – make plans for the fall right and I think the NHL is kind of running into that problem too it's not it doesn't really matter who you are COVID has made planning in the future impossible because we just we don't know what's going to happen in two three months a week it's just such a fucking crazy time uh (laughs) and I mean I think all sports are are roughly going to try to restart around like the 26 day mark somewhere around there so it's you're going to have, like, this influx of, of sport. But if you look at the U.S., like, we're fucking climbing back up to where we were the worst, uh, you know, just months months before. And and it's because it's it's people that have been trapped inside and now they're, they're pretending like this shit's not fucking around anymore. And they're, they're just rolling out with their fucking groups and, and going, you know, like, I wish – I wish I could technically, like, go out and, like, you know, it would be safe to go travel and go, like, to another state because it's cheap as fuck right now and gas is cheap. Like, yeah, like, it sounds amazing. But it's like you to do that. You're just – you're bringing that number up so much more because it's now it's not just people are staying in their state. Like, Texas did it right. Texas straight up went back to phase one, and they probably closed the fucking borders to, like, you know, like, big hub cities like, you know, New Orleans and shit like that. So like of all of all of all the places in the South, I think Texas, like they caught they saw their spike and was like, yeah, no, we're 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 going back. Like, well, I saw, and you might be able to speak more on this. That um, university students in Alabama were hosting parties to see who could get COVID. Yeah, yeah, like like um, the first one would get like a, a prize or some shit. That's it's fucking just- insane, dude. And, and that's that's the that's the school where you need like only like a two, like a 2.0 in math to fucking get to get in. So you just let that settle, folks. Like a standard school out here is like at least a 2.9. Yeah, we. I don't personally grade point average, no fucking clue. Yeah, you might as um, well speak Italian to me. I'm I'm not a smart man in math. I didn't get accepted into the schools I wanted because I didn't get a 2.9. I was like a 2.5, 2.7 range, um, but I could have went to Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess maybe just explain it because I'm sure we have a lot of Canadian listeners. Like, oh, what it's, is- it's it's been years. Uh, basically, it's like your grade point average is like, uh, man, I used I used to know it because obviously I was in school. It's been like fucking ten years. Fucking, I I gotta look it up. Uh, basically, your grade point average is. Um, it's like a hundred percent divided by, you know, like whatever, whatever you made this test, you add all your tests together, the percentage, um, and like multiply it or divide it by some whole fucking number and it'll give you a, you know, a decimal. And that is your overall grade 
for that specific subject. And going into college, you're expected to have like, uh, especially like, you know, the higher institutes, they're looking for like, you know, maybe Harvard might want like a, a you know, 3.7 and higher. So like the highest would be a 4.0, which would so, be A's all the time. So are, are your grades not marked in percentile? They are. Um, it's just like a way for them to break it down into a smaller number. That way they don't have to count every A or every C you've made, you know? Huh. Because yeah. I know when I was I was um I was playing showcases for like uh, D one schools in the U S. We went down to New York and there was like I think Vanderbilt, like uh, Louisville, just a bunch of those colleges. And I remember coming home. I had to think. I I had to. I was thinking about playing playing uh, college soccer in the U S. And I looked at the fucking SATs. And I immediately, I was like, no, no, I'm not taking that. I don't understand. Cause it's just so different from uh, our curriculum here. Like we, we get a percentage. So I think in my friggin' ancient history class, I got like a 95 and then you get your 95% in that class. Right. So essentially, you know, 95% of the subject matter and then, you add up your top six courses and whatever the average is. So I think my average was a 89 or something. Oh, that okay. is, that would be your average. So I don't know how that would translate to. Okay. So like, yeah, it's, it's, I get what you're saying. So like basically as a hub of all of your, your highest scores, you have one specific range. That's like, okay, this is what you're capable in from that, I guess, school year. Okay. Like you would add up all your, like your math, your history, your, and then that's how y'all would pull it together. You would get like one finite number for us. You would get like, so if you got a, you know, a 95, you said, so that would put you in an A, which is the 93 to 96% uh, range would give you a 4.0. So in that specific class, you would have, um, you know, your, your scale would be a 4.0. So you could have history at a 4.0, you know, your math would be a three nine, but you know, I'm not saying you're stupid. So I'll give you the best <laughs> fucking ones. You know, you just got four pointos <laughs> over the board. So that means when you go to apply for a college, the first thing that they're going to look at is your, your, uh, your grade scale. Okay. And a 4.0 is just saying that, you know, somewhere from 93 to a hundred percent of the course that this one is specifically for. Okay. Yeah. That, make, that makes sense. Yeah. It just seems, I don't know. In my uneducated opinion it seems as though they've almost added an extra step just to confuse people but it's maybe i'm just not smart enough it's to. very it's very confusing but <laughs> i'm not gonna lie to you and a 2.0 uh is a c average of 73 to 76 and that's that's the kids uh at alabama pooling pooling to get the first covid case so they can award said said college student oh man well, I, sorry, we kind of got off track, but I think, you know, education here, you know, enlightening <laughs> maybe Americans and Canadians who haven't understood other countries, you know, our curriculum for school. But um, to kind of get back on topic, yeah, um, I think it's very telling of how the U.S. has handled COVID, and this isn't to get political, it's just from a sports view, Um when we look over in Europe, you know, we're talking about all the sports are trying to start over here. You know, the Bundesliga, which is German soccer, has been right. open for months. Uh, the Premier League is open now. The Italian League, I think even La Liga. Yeah, La Liga is running again. That's Spanish. Wow. Yeah. Um, all the major soccer leagues, which are the soccer's, you know, it's the biggest sport over there. It's massive. They have stadiums of hundreds of thousands people hundreds of thousands of people um if you look over here i think canada you know i think realistically we could probably start the big factor right now with just getting north american sports started i think is the u.s and i think once the u.s starts to get things under control i think we'll definitely see sports return because if you look look how europe's doing it they've done it perfectly they have stadiums with nobody 
the players are constantly getting tested, but they're not they're not stuck in isolation. Right. Um, they even they pump crowd noise into the stadium so that the players kind of <laughs> you know get that vibe too when they score. They play old footage of fans That's going right. wild. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So hopefully we can start to see something like that, you know, over here with North American Sports League soon, but. When we're going to see that, I, I think it's mostly reliant on the U.S. at this point. Yeah, I, we, just need, <laughs> we need to get our shit together. Um, <laughs> it, it's, it's sad because it's, it's like we really could have just did the same thing they did. It would have destroyed the economy for two weeks. But, like, you just throw everybody inside. You can't leave, you know. And maybe would have had a better handle of this. But, no, you know, like. From the very beginning, they're like, no one, no one leave your area. People are going to Florida because it's the fucking summer. Please, no one leave your town. All right, well, I'm gonna go two towns over. You know, like it, it. We have broke every single little rule that's not even been like forced upon us. And I think it's that very reason is that they didn't make it as strict as they should have. Like after Katrina, you had a fucking curfew, and if you were out on your curfew, you were getting in some shit. You know, so it's like the U.S. as a whole is a fucking child and you can't just tell it, you know, we want you to do this and, you know, think that this is going to be the, the you know, the best child in the world. No, he's going to fucking do whatever he wants. And because <laughs> of that, we're, we're looking at, you know, the, looks like a, the McDonald's M. If you look at the chart right now, like, you know, we had our big spike. We recessed a little bit. Now we're riding back up because everybody's like, all right, well, we got fucking, you know, a month left of summer before school starts back up. So all these kids are going running out. Families are like, oh, I'm so sick of having my kids in my house. Let's bring them on a fucking road trip to the beach. The beach is the fucking worst place for you to go. It's just a fucking mess, dude. It's crazy. And I almost think, too, it's a cultural thing. Um, in Canada... I think people are more, for lack of a better term, I'm not saying Canadians here are happy with our government, which I think is false. I think you're going to have people bitching about the government always, but I think there's a little more trust and I want to say willingness to um, listen to what the government says. I think in the U.S., at least from my personal experience, I've got a lot of vibes of people saying, oh, the government can't tell me what to do. Um, I live my life. I have my first or second amendment rights, you know, to do this, to do that. I'm a, I'm my own person. And I think that might play a little bit of a little bit of a factor. Every, everyone is, is just like, everyone feels they're entitled to it. And it's, for me, it's like, if people don't get it together, I'll never get back to my job. And I hate what I'm doing right now. Like, yeah, I, I, if I wanted to go back to work in the night shift, I would go back and work in the city and I would start smoking again. I'd start fucking like every night would be another fun night because I wouldn't have to fucking worry about anything. Instead, here I am fucking clocking in to the most sober job I've had ever in my fucking life uh, that tells us you got to stop drinking at a certain time and all this fucking absurd shit. Um, I just want to go back to my job and I can't because that job requires you to be able to go outside of your house and because yeah. everyone's going outside of their house, their house irresponsibly, it's causing us to not have events, not have draft beer. Um, you know, just, you can't congregate down here. Like the, there's certain bars that are doing it right. You know, like you can have 25, 25% of the people in there, but there's like fucking, it looks like there's plexiglass like everywhere. You know, like it looks like you could build an arena, you know, in a, with a couple of these bars. Um, it's just so fucking frustrating because you see one bar doing it right and the bar next to them, they're like jam packed because they're trying to make their money that they lost. But these people yeah. got grants from the government. So they made, if they're a small business, they made at least a million dollars, but they still hungry to get more money back. And that's what's fucking us so bad. Like, I'm looking at a fucking meme right now. It's a fucking cat staring off in the stars and it says waking up every morning, seeing sports highlights from other countries that took the shit serious. And it's some guy just bitching about our president 
uh, and the lack of, of force used to keep everybody inside so we could get back to watching sports. It's like, I think there's, it's more than sports, but for this being a sports podcast, it's like, absolutely. Like, because we didn't take the shit as serious, Canada's looking pretty good. The other, you know, other parts of the world, Europe, like you said, they're starting their shit back up and we're fucking about to hit another big fucking problem. Oh, yeah. Um, I almost like, I don't want to, this is not a political podcast at all. I don't no. think we're expressing any political views. I just want to throw that out there. We're just, I think it's just too, at least as sports fans, you know, I don't care who is in charge in the U.S. right now. I, I could give less shits. It's more... For me, it's just frustrating that we don't have sports. And I'm not going to sit here and, you know, shit on people for wanting to go outside and hang out because I think every single person would be lying if they said at some point during this pandemic, they have not gone out and hung out with some friends. I just a few weeks ago, I went, I broke, I went out and hung out with like 15 people. We had grad pictures, you know, just because we wanted to get, we want to have our grad pictures. You know, we didn't right. get that. And we hung out for a bit. But these are people that I know don't, haven't been traveling. You know, I'm not going out strangers. I, I'm not saying I didn't break any rules, but I get it. Like, you know, every once in a while, I think that's okay. People need to socialize. Humans are a very social species. I, if you don't socialize, you literally go insane as a human being. So I get that. But I think it, the the frustrating thing is people not believing COVID exists still to this day after everything that's happened. People going out every night, not caring, you know, putting other people at risk. I think that's what's really gotten my gears going, gears grinding over these past, you know, this past month or so. Because you know what? I could have been sitting here. You know, we could have seen the Stanley Cup by now. I I could know if I had the first overall pick. I'd I'd have stuff to talk about, but instead, you know, we're talking about this damn virus that I just, you know, I wish it was over. No, you you're hundred percent right. And yeah, no, I I don't I don't really like speaking political views, any any shit like that. Um, you know, it happens to come up every now and then. You know, like shit that like I wouldn't want to talk about on a sports podcast. There's, you know, there's so little to talk about about our, you know, specific sport right now, other than every day is a new day to find out if we're going to get to play. Yeah. <laughs> and like, like we've talked, we've tried to brainstorm ideas, but just this is kind of a message to you, the listener. If you're, if you're listening to this, you know, we really appreciate the support. Um, we understand that it's not typical sports content right now but you know it, it's not a typical time and we've stressed that a lot and we appreciate you guys still coming out and listening um so we're just trying to provide you know just something some sort of entertainment and i i hope we're doing that but um we can try and spin it a little bit back to hockey now if you want Corey. um yeah there we have learned in i think anything we talk about is going to be a little covid related but um Alexander Romanov and uh, mainly, I know there's a few other pairs, but Kaprizov for the Wild. Um, it's believed that they will not be allowed to come over and play in the playoffs, which, you know, I got to say is a little disappointing. But uh, I, I'd be lying if I said I don't understand. I think it makes perfect sense. The NHL is playing it right here. Right. It would be kind of bullshit if teams just had – a player like Romanov or Kaprizov come over and just make a massive impact, you know, it's just not fair. So I get it. But even from a, from a Montreal standpoint, I think it's disappointing, but if you really look at, look at it in the long term, I think it could almost be one of the best things that could happen for Romanov's development for him to have to wait next till next year, simply because, and I'll let you weigh in. Sorry. I've talked a lot here, but, um, <laughs> Because I think it would be incredibly disappointing if we saw Romanov play one game, play poorly, struggle, you know, because it's a it's a different league, it's a different beast, and then get scratched for a player like Christian Folan or Brett Kulak and then not play for the rest of the series and then have him burn a year off of his entry level deal, you know? I'm sure Romanov would love that. 
that'd be the greatest thing for them. But for the Habs organization, I think it's actually, it'd be very detrimental. And I think it, it's almost better that Romanov has to wait. Yeah. Uh, when we first talked about it, yeah, it, it kind of sucked to think, you know, cause it's like, our, it would be awesome for him to come straight in and it's, you know, like, like Kale McCall, the first thing you see in the NHL, you really get, a taste of like the heaviness of the playoffs, you know, um, it, it's bigger than just a standard, a standard game. Um, but I mean, I think right now it's the smartest decision. You know, like you said, you come in, you bring this kid over, he has one off game and he gets scratched. Then it, it's just a waste of time. It, it's taking a year off. Um, and then we put this kid at risk of, of catching COVID, you know, like even worse than, being where he's at right now. Uh, I mean, it's a shame they don't get a chance. I think this is um, – once it starts back up, this is really good for uh, the young Canadians to get a little playoff experience, you know. But um, I think they're doing the right thing, like you said. Uh, I think it's smart. And I just I just wish the best for him, you know. I know that when he comes over, he has the ability to make an impact. I was hoping he'd get his first impact in the game would be the playoffs, so that that kind of uh, that goosebumps of never having a you know have, having a chance to do that would already be gone. But I think he's he's a player that's strong enough to make an impact uh, and and keep that uh, keep his poise no matter what. So it is what it is. Uh, I'm just happy that we have him and by next season, we'll get a chance to see him. Yeah, for sure. I think next <laughs> year, it's a given, you know, like he's going to be here. I don't think fans need to worry about that. So I agree with everything you said. He's going to be stable. He's going to be solid on the blue line. If he played now, I think he'd make a positive impact. And, you know, we want Montreal. I'm rooting for Montreal to win this series, but, you know, looking from a long-term standpoint, must be said, a 12.5% chance at the first overall pick is a lot higher than any percent that Montreal, you know, will have at the Stanley Cup. So looking at it just purely long-term success, um, analytically, I, I have no issue. I'm rooting for Montreal to win with the roster they have now. But I almost think as a GM or as a head coach, you have to think is adding pieces to try and win this series really going to benefit us. Right. I, th- I think, I think we're, we're still, you know, jumbling the pieces and I wasn't looking at it as far as like, you know, like if we're going to go all the way, we know it's because uh, Carrie Price put on a clinic. Um, but I was just like, I was just so excited to get as many young players as we could to play right now that way their first games aren't just you know the first game of the season or whenever they get brought in it was a chance to play in a, in a playoff atmosphere and i felt like that would do wonders to a lot of the young players i think it still is roman off being the, the odd one out right now you know but I, yeah. I think i think he's got a chance to make his fucking his statement coming soon so yeah for sure and you know we talk a lot about romanov but Going into next year, we've got to look at a bunch of players who the Habs have coming up. You know, Montreal got rated the second best prospect pool by Craig Button for a reason. And it has to do with a lot with just the inclusion of a bunch of other players. I think, you know, the other big name, Cole Caulfield. Um, I think the hockey writers rated him the third best prospect in hockey right now. And that's a above Bowen Byram of the Colorado Avalanche. So that's just, you know, that's phenomenal. But also just look at our other guys. Um, We talk about them all the time, but I think a name we haven't talked about enough and we have, we did talk a bit when they signed him recently, Cam Hillis. And, you know, we looked over him. I remember when we signed, we talked a bit about him. Um, But the more I kind of, I've been bored, so I've been watching a lot of highlights and (laughs) stats and stuff. I am so sold on this kid, I got to say. Cam Hillis is going to be a phenomenal player in the NHL. 83 points in 62 games this past OHL season. 24 goals, 59 assists. He was the captain. He was a plus 28. And last year he was a minus 10. So the improvement there and just in his defensive game is absolutely phenomenal. He, you know, he was just a great leader for that team. He um, won the championship with Nick Suzuki. 
he just showed that that metal. And I know not a lot of people watch OHL games, but I I do tune into them occasionally. And every time I watch Cam Hillis, I was just is he still with uh, uh, Guelph? Um, so he won't be with Guelph next year, I don't believe. I think he'll okay. be with Laval. He's twenty. Um, Montreal drafted him in 2018, but yes, he was with he was Guelph's captain. Well, I remember like uh, when we had looked him up. I remember like the previous year, he only uh, he played like half a season, but his numbers were still in line. Because um, if I'm not mistaken, he played three years, but like even even with only playing like half a season, his numbers were still in line uh, to be better. Like he has progressed every single year, and just because he didn't. You know, he didn't get to play a full season. You could see that that was going to be an amazing year for this kid. Well, yeah, his um, his rookie year, he got 20 goals, 39 assists for 59 points in 60 games. So the the offense was there from the start. Um, his second year, I think he played 33 games, got like 25 points, something like that. And, uh, you know, obviously not as good, but I, I'm going to assume there was a nagging injury that led to him right. not playing well that led, you know, things happen. But, yeah, his his last year there, even his second year actually playing with Suzuki, he kind of showed that talent. But, yeah, this year alone he is phenomenal. Also happens to play the center position, so there's only more Jeez. more upside for us there. And, We've turned. I really do believe we've turned a position of weakness into a position of strength. Absolutely, uh, man. You know, if if we had some of these pool, if we had some of this this pool coming up when like uh, when like Alchenyuk was around, and like imagine like being able to just leave him on the wing, you know, or leave him at center if need be. But like just to have left Galchenyuk anywhere, yeah, would have like so much the, the flip flopping. We're getting to a point where our pool is, is coming of age and we won't have to move people, you know. They won't have to be listed as a center slash, you know, right wing, depending on the day. It's good to have that as a backup, but, like, for this kid to go in every day knowing that he's going to play this specific role is, is something that we've had problems with on as for our forwards for a couple seasons now, you know. Oh, yeah. I think – I'm just to look at our prospect pool. It just makes me makes me so so happy. I'm excited. My problem is uh, is our defense. As far as the prospect pool, we have we've already had that discussion where you fit everybody, and I want so bad to fit Josh Brook in. <laughs> so fucking bad. This kid is like I sold you on the him, cleanest fucking pass player ever. Like. I want this kid in the lineup. I don't know what we got to do to make it happen. But the problem is, is we have like, like our, Jesus, how do you, how do you fit this kid in? How do you fit him and Romanov and fucking shit? I don't know. I will say, (laughs) I will say Josh Brook in the WHL was one of the best offensive. Dude, his high, his highlight that I found was just phenomenal. But um, in the AHL, at least so far, from what we've seen, he has not been able to produce as much. Yeah. But, um, like, I'm not – I actually – I remember we were talking off screen one time. I told you to check him out. You're a lot more sold on him than I am now just because of this last season. But I will say that I do think Josh Brook is going to be a very quality – he can't. He. I think his upside could definitely turn into a very quality offensive defenseman in the NHL. I'm not. I'm not scared off by one bad year in the AHL. It's his first real year of pro hockey, and you know what? That that's gonna happen. It's a different. It's a jump from the WHL to the AHL. It's a jump from the AHL to the to the NHL. Some players just take different time, and I totally agree. I think Josh Brook could end up being one of our better defensive prospects in the future. Yeah. Um... Which call? Like he had, he had. It was his first full year at Laval. Um, I mean, he's only 193 pounds, and I guess that's that's pretty average for a defenseman um, at at 21 years old. I think that you know it was a, it was a different. You come from the number one, basically fucking player, 
uh, and then move into a new league where you got to read, you know, it, it's a big step up. I think his game needs a little bit of, of work around, but that comes with this new advantage of playing in Laval, you know, I think he's going to get a lot more looks this year as far as like, you know, his ice time will probably go up. They want to see what he's capable of doing. And, and, you know, he's, he's got to re remold himself, I guess you would say, because, you know, it's, it's a different league now. It's, it's a lot more high caliber, but one thing that doesn't leave is, is his ability, like his passing ability. Like he's got, the sense to do it no matter what. Like, even if he was at, at the, the NHL level, NHL level, he might not be able to do it, like, constantly. But, like, his his sense, his focus is really strong. So, like, if he can just build an overall better, you know, like, I wouldn't say he needs to go, like, caught Kenny Emmy and just, like, build more muscle and all that. I mean, it'd probably be good for him. But, like, he just has the overall offensive senses that would make him a great player once he learns – you know, this new, this new league, how it needs to play, how his performance needs to change a bit. Oh, definitely. I think going back to, I think his only issue will be trying to fit, sorry, trying to fit in a group as talented as Montreal's defensive core. Right. And just saying, you look at, look at the, the top four guys, I would say you've got Romanov, You've got Kale Fleury, you've got Noah Juleson, you've got Matthias Norlander. And then outside of that, I would say Jaden Struble is going to be an amazing defenseman in this league. You've got Otto Leskinen, who Montreal signed recently, who is you know, doesn't look to be a star, but I think he could definitely be definitely be okay. Right. You've got to fit that in a group that includes Victor Mete, Shea Weber, Jeff Petrie, Ben Chirot. I think Montreal's defensive core is going to be so good. Even Jordan Harris in the NCAA, he's he's great. So I think the path for Josh Brook looks very tough. But I, I do believe he could forge a path to the NHL through Montreal if he, cause he, I definitely think he has the talent to do so. Yeah. I, I like him. He play he plays a very loose game. You know, he knows what he knows where he needs to be in his position. Like uh, his highlights were just really, uh, you know, a lot of pinching, but like, he's not, a, he's not afraid to pinch in and then move back. If, if he's, if he's seeing like any type of, um, you know, like if 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 he can if he can read it and the play is about to go past him, he'll he'll dump back. But uh, I like I like his ability to stay to stay moving. Like he does not mind. I wouldn't say getting into the crease, but like he's a flowing defenseman. That he's a great skater. Yeah. Oh, uh, his his just fucking poise in the game is really nice. And and granted, you didn't really get a you didn't see a lot of it last season, but I think that's going to change for him. Um, he's got the potential now, whether it's every now and then, or is it every fucking game that's up in the air right now, but I still think that this kid is going to bring something nice to this team. Uh, I can see him. I don't know. His passes are just so fucking crisp. I can see him, you know, pinching someone off the wall, getting the puck and it's, it's just one move for him and we got a goal. Oh yeah, for sure. I think. You know, we talk about it a lot, but Montreal's future is definitely good. I've re- I've said that so much in this. I'm I'm sorry. I need a better You're fine, description. Buddy. But I um, mean, it is what it is, dude. Like, yeah, exactly. Our it farm. We took we took a lot of a lot of flack, you know, over over these past like six seven years. But in that term, our our pool has been growing with really great talent. So, you know, if we had to take a a, a slump for a bit to to rebuild a future. You know, I'm okay with that. And the time to, to start seeing that is now. So you can't you wanna, be nothing but excited about these young kids coming up. You want to hear a bit of a crackhead pipe dream lineup, though? Yes. Just think about this. Cole Caulfield is a right winger. Right. You can even play center, I think, but, you know, he's, he's a right winger. So Cole Caulfield on the right wing. Kakeniemi and or Suzuki, either or. I'm okay with either of them. They're both going to be superstars. Centering. Alexis Lafreniere on the left wing. And then, no, 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 I'm not done. I'm not done. 
Shea Weber and Romanov or Norlander with paired with him Jesus. in like two years. <laughs> oh my god. That's a fucking dream. Where, where, do, is... where do we fit uh what who who we uh who are we trying to grab last episode? Um, oh, to uh, fucking Jack Eichel. Yeah, where was the Jack Eichel? <laughs> well, I mean, if Jack Eichel's there, he's got to be on that top line. <laughs> but even even without Jack Eichel, then you got Kakinami or Suzuki, second line center, which is right. they're going to be such a good second line center. You've got Drew and Domi on the wings, and and you got to fit in Gallagher too. Like, oh, this team is going to be so good. My problem is 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 that we have talent, we have too much, and and to watch them try to build the ultimate line, and if it doesn't work, I hope to God that they play around with it, but not play around with it too much. What? I think Montreal is going to have to make some tough trades. I think a good example would be someone like Paul Byron, who is a capable twenty twenty five goal scorer in the NHL. Um, great defensively, obviously a great leader. He wears the A for the Montreal Canadiens, and a lot of people I don't think realize that, especially since he was injured so much this year. Yeah. Um, personally, he was looking when, good on the practice. I don't know if you saw they they released like a little practice practice footage the other day, and he was he was looking good out there. Yeah, he was mic'd up. He seemed pretty happy to be back. <laughs> um, that's what I mean. A fan, definitely one of my favorites. I think he's become sort of a fan favorite in Montreal. Right. But um, I just think that's a player that you might have to see become a casualty of young prospects. Right. And there's nothing wrong. I don't think it's anything Paul Byron will do wrong. I think Paul Byron has been one of the most consistent, one of the best players we've had, one of the greatest waiver wire pickups ever. If you really look at it, I don't know how many waiver wire pickups you've seen. Let me see Paul Byron's stats line for a sec. But I don't know how many waiver wire pickups you see go on to score 20 goals the next right. year, let alone do it in how many consecutive seasons did he have? <laughs> yeah, he did it in two seasons. It would have been would have been three if he didn't get injured in 2018-19. He got 15 and 56. Like the man is a machine, puts up points, usually positive. For Montreal, he's been positive all but one year he's just he's been a trooper for us and i think calgary definitely didn't want to put him on the waiver but it happened and montreal really really benefited from it so it'll be sad to see a guy like paul byron go um i think a guy like ben Sherratt, i don't think he'll stick around forever you know he's become a fan favorite i think we're gonna lose players like that but we're gonna have to as fans learn to stomach it almost you if you right. kind of know what I mean. I mean, we've dealt with trades like this before. But when we did, we didn't have the pool that was coming in. You know, uh, Very true. It, it was really hard to take these in before because it was we were watching, you know, it, we were watching a team that was deep playoff caliber. The right moves means we could get to the cup. And to watch them just – takes take a step back and be like no we, we've tried and it's it's over for us in the office and we're we're gonna make the move to, to try to rebuild it was hard to take that in because we didn't have anything to look forward to other than like the one or two guys here and there now our pool is so big that when you see these moves you appreciate their time that they've been here but you're not pissed off because you don't have you don't have someone to bring in for that player that's making the move because we have all this talent in the back. Uh, yeah, no, I totally agree with that. You know, having a player, having the knowledge that a player is coming in to replace someone that, you know, you're giving away not only as a fan favorite, but just as a talent is definitely. It softens the blow and it's, yeah. You know, yeah. Unlike before when it was just, we were watching, you know, all of our great players just leave. When we watched Romanov and Markov walk and Emelin get taken in the expansion draft and go, okay, who's replacing this offense and grit on our team? Yeah. Yeah. 
it, it was hard. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. But now it's just like you know, if someone's got to go, it, it sucks. But you'll appreciate it. You know, you appreciate their time there, and then you have someone in reserves just ready to come in. So I yeah, can't be sure. more excited. Uh, I think we have one of the, like you said, we have like the second best, excuse me, pool. You know, talent pool, and I'm ready to exploit the fuck out of it. Like, <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right, but um, anyway, I think that'll be it for today. Um, I know you've got to get get to your job, and I've got to go do some stuff too. But um, you know, it's been great talking to you again. I'm glad we kind of got some uh, some hockey, some hockey talk in. We we bitched about COVID a little bit, but I think that's just gonna happen every once in a while. I mean, it's keeping us from the game. It's going to happen. But, no, man, uh, always a pleasure to talk. Folks, you can find me, uh, Bayou Benders, on Instagram and Twitter. And I'm sure you're, if you've listened to this uh, in the past year, you know that you can always find Mason at Habs Nightly on Twitter. Folks, it's been a blast. Please stay inside if, if you're in the U.S. Canada, I think you're doing a pretty good job compared to, compared to us. But uh, just still stay safe. I know uh, – Last week was a big day. There was a big day for, for both uh, nations. So, uh, you know, I, I didn't get to say it last time. You know, happy Canada Day. I know it's late, but uh, I hope you guys had a great time, even though you couldn't do it up as, as much as you could. And for the States, you know, we have a lot going on here. But, you know, I hope hopefully you guys appreciated the day and maybe spent some time with, with small groups of your family. Um, and just stay safe out there, folks, and we'll talk to you all soon. All right. Thanks again for for stopping by. This has been Habs Nightly. You guys stay safe, as Corey said. It's been a pleasure. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.